Hi, this is Kendall Boyson, professional life and recovery coach, and you're listening to Encouragementology, the practice of instilling hope. Hi there. Thanks for joining me. On this show, we're revisiting a very popular topic from 2019 that's still very relevant today, letting go and detaching with love. Sometimes walking away and letting go can be the hardest thing to do. Letting go of people, ideas, regrets, routines, or desires. Hard work, focus, and even love may not be enough to control a situation and dictate the outcome. Sometimes you simply have to let go and realize it's not your fight, it's not your journey, and it's not your life. But there is a way to do this, and that's with love. Let's talk about letting go. I want to tell you a secret. Now, I'm hoping this is a revelation for you sooner rather than later. (laughs) Are you listening? You cannot change people. I'm going to say that again. You cannot change people. Waiting for someone to meet your expectations may be the cruelest irony. They will never meet your expectations because it's not theirs. Your hope should be that they meet or exceed their own true potential. But your expectations are just that. They're your expectations. Now, last show, I talked about managing your own expectations. And we covered a little bit of relationships in there too, not just expectations for your own self. Uh, We talked about goal setting and things like that, but expectations for other people. Who do you have expectations for in your life, in your immediate relationships, not work, but in your personal relationships, who do you have expectations for? I'm sure if you have children, you have plenty of expectations for your children. Wanting them to succeed, be the best that they can possibly be, get a great job, meet a wonderful partner, have a great life, stay close to home, right? (laughs) Take care of you in your old age. All of the above. What about for your partner, your spouse, your girlfriend, boyfriend, what have you? What are your expectations there? Are you just super supportive, hoping that they turn out and and have the best life and you just really have no expectations, you love them just the way they are, you don't want a thing to change? How many are shaking your head from side to side? (laughs) Or do you have those expectations of them being a better person, more responsible, more respectful, to... Uh, help you more around the house to pay attention to you. Are your expectations realistic? Are they about you or are they about them? If you want, if your expectation is for them to help you around the house, is that to help them or is, are you the one benefiting from that? Think about that. Are your expectations on them for you. Hmm. How many chances do you give them? If you've got these expectations, you know, you know what you want out of it. How many chances do they get? And what happens when they don't meet those expectations? 
are you just disappointed? Does it cause a huge blow up? Is it something that you carry around and constantly throw in their face? Is it something you harbor silently and you're just sort of sour over the situation? Think about that. Think about you and your partner. We'll, we'll, we'll do kids later, but think about you and your partner being two separate people, standing in two separate spots. Now put, I always like to put a hula hoop because it sort of gives a, a circumference <laughs> of space. So put a hula hoop around each of you. Those are your, that's your space. Now, if you are separate, what are you expecting from that other person? Is it physical? Is it mental? Is it spiritual? It's really important to identify what you're expecting from a relationship. When you don't get what you expect, what does it take for you to let go? Are you still struggling with that concept of even thinking of letting go? Oh, it sounds scary, doesn't it? Imagine if you're suspended over a high cliff or something and you're holding on to a rope and you feel like if I let go, I'm going to perish probably. I have to hold on so tight. Is that how you're holding on to your expectations? With all your might, if you let go, that's it. You can't get it back. Really visualize that because it's important instead of always being just disappointed, we need to get to the source of why are you disappointed? Was that expectation for you or was it for them? Was it realistic? And why do you have that expectation? Hmm. I found a blog actually called Joyful Days Living Well Be Happy. How great is that? Joyful days, live well, be happy. And it is a blog about letting go of expectations. Really interesting. The one thing that shatters relationships and ruins friendships more than any other is expectations. Isn't that true? I, I had uh, expectations on my show, just the last show. And then I had a hard week and I evaluated that week, a lot of disappointment. And well, and some, some successes as well. So it wasn't just all disappointment, but I had a few disappointments and I looked at that and I thought, why am I disappointed? Well, I'm disappointed because my expectations were too high. And I knew that going in, everything had been going very smoothly and in all the things that I was doing. And I hit a few challenges and immediately I'm disappointed because my expectation was the this was going to go just as well as everything else had. So it's interesting when you really dive into that disappointment and find out that it's hinged on your expectation. When we say that someone is not meeting our needs, we usually mean that they're not living up to our expectations. True needs are very few, really, when you think about it. Food, water, shelter, love nurturing. <laughs> but expectations are limitless. When a person's behavior doesn't match your expectation, you can try to change their behavior or you could let go of your expectation. The first is an exercise in frustration and it can cause untold damage 
on a relationship. The second is also difficult, but possibly the most worthwhile. Just learning to let go. Now, I mentioned before, we're human. There's, if you walk into a situation thinking that you don't have any expectations or you go into a relationship thinking that, oh, I just want them to be them and I'm not going to have any expectations on anything that happens throughout the relationship, you're not being honest with yourself because our mind will naturally go to expectations and we'll set those and they might be unsaid and especially unsaid to our partner. If we don't communicate those, how can they ever live up to that? If we demand those, is that really going to get us what we're looking for? Usually, if you demand something, someone wants to do a little tug of war, right? And they want to pull in the opposite direction. So I'm not sure that that's going to get you where you need to go. So we are going to talk about how to start learning to let go. Number one, identify faulty assumptions. For some reason, we get close to a person, we start to demand that this person act a certain way. We reason that if you loved me, you would. This type of reasoning is based on two faulty assumptions. One, that love can be defined in a certain way. And two, that the other person agrees with this definition. You might not be speaking the same language. Neither assumption is reasonable. And once you accept that your way of thinking is not the only right way, you'll find it easy to reject the assumption and adjust and completely drop your expectations. But you have to realize that first. This is such a hard one. I mean, how many times have you said it? You've said that, haven't you? If you loved me, You would, you would stop doing that. If you loved me, you would do this or that. It seems perfectly reasonable, (laughs) but remember it's your expectation. Number two, seek to understand. People show love in different ways. And Gary Chapman is excellent at this. If you've read his book, The Five Love Languages, words of affirmation, acts of service, quality time, gifts, and physical touch. Someone else may speak a love language that you don't understand because it's not your love language. It's different. Well, if that's the case, then you might not be understanding what they're saying. Like when you travel to another country that speaks a different language from yours, the locals may not understand what you're trying to say to them. You can't assume that your partner, your friend, your family member understands your needs. You know, have you said that before? Gosh, I was just over here struggling. They didn't even know. Or how many times I'm speaking to the females on this, uh, guys, so you'll appreciate it. The guy asked the lady or one partner asked the other, well, what's wrong? Nothing. I'm fine. Now the partner says, great, you're fine. Okay. They turn away. And the other partner says, what do you mean? I'm not really fine. You should have known that. (laughs) And ensues the dance of confusion, right? You can't assume, and I'm not just talking about partners here, I'm talking about anybody. Don't assume that people can read your emotions. They cannot. Most people are super busy, and number two, 
they're more interested in their own emotions than yours. So if you want something, you have to be clear and you have to be direct about it. Okay, number three, observe carefully. When you stop expecting a certain behavior from others, you free yourself to see more clearly. You'll start to observe what they are actually doing instead of constantly seeing the gap between what they're doing and what you want them to do, right? So for example, if you expect your child to obey your instructions quietly (laughs) and he starts to question you, you may get upset because he didn't meet your expectation of just being a good boy. If you drop this expectation and actually listen to the question, you might pick up some fear or some specific reasoning that's causing him to resist. When you see more clearly, you can respond more effectively. How many times do we just jump to a conclusion because it's not what we're, we don't listen. We only listen for what we want to hear, right? Let me say that again. We don't listen. We listen for what we want to hear. And when we don't hear it, we respond defensively. Are you, are you going to be like that? Having that expectation is futile. You have to open up and listen. This took me forever to understand. (laughs) You know, I always, uh, and I said this before, but I'm, uh, I'm goal driven, very goal driven. And I started out my life just kind of a bull in a china shop is what I feel like. You know, I was just going to get to the goal. I was always trying to climb the ladder, you know, and I probably stepping on people as I go. I don't know. I feel like I'm really nice, but, um, I might have, I was pretty focused on the overall goal and I sort of felt like everybody around me had to be moving at my same speed, my same pace. And that was my expectation. And I would get disappointed for the people in my life that wouldn't move at that pace didn't want what I wanted. Now I was too young and inexperienced. I won't say young and dumb, but that's really what I mean. Um, to really get that. And so I just became disappointed. I wasn't able to detach, get in my hula hoop, be by myself and understand I am my own person. I have my own goals and I have my own speed and I'm accountable to myself. And I wasn't able to look at the other people in my life in their hula hoops, moving at their pace, doing what they're able to do. So in those situations, I'm disappointed because you're not meeting my expectation. They're disappointed because I'm disappointed. (laughs) You can see how it goes. And I'm sure that makes sense to you. And maybe you have someone in your life that you're like that with as well. So number four, recognize the consequences. You would probably be upset if somebody loved you only when you behaved a certain way, right? Children who grow up with this kind of conditional love become insecure adults who try way too hard to please other people. Spouses, this is what I'm talking about, who feel they are not good enough for their partners may seek acceptance in someone else's life. Relationships are not transactions. If you're in a relationship because of what you get out of it, it's a transaction. We all have needs that have to be met, but it's unrealistic to expect the other person to meet those needs. 
it's easy to let go of expectations once we accept the responsibility to meet our own needs. And that we're not in a relationship for what we can get out of it, but for who we can be. That's pretty important to really think about it that way. Relationships are not transactions. They are what they are, and they should be bringing joy to the life, joy to your life. They should be, uh, you and your partner should be building each other up and bringing out the best people that you can be. Number five, ask for agreement. If an expectation you have is important because it touches on non-negotiable values or morals, right? Seek to convert that expectation into an agreement. This goes exactly with what I was saying. If they don't know about it, how can they meet that expectation? Agreements are not expectations. Expectations exist in your own mind, often without the knowledge of the other person. Agreements are explicit They're verbal. In some cases, you can write them down and both parties agree to them. So decide on what's non-negotiable to you. You know, on these expectations that you have right now that you keep getting disappointed in, why don't you really think about what those are and what's important to you? Is it just control over another person or is it something morally important to you? Highlight these to the other person and explain why it's important. Be sure to be calm. This is not meant for a fight. Be calm and be very specific. And then ask the other party if they can agree to that. It's important to you. Can you agree to that? And be prepared to return the favor. Because once you start opening this up, they may have their own set of uh, agreement (laughs) things as well. So once you have both agreed, then you can start honoring those ground rules. If you can't convert non-negotiable expectations into an agreement, you'll have to make a tough tough choice. I mean, you'll have to decide, is it that important to you? Do you need to let it go or let them go? Now, personally, flesh and blood relationships are probably worth holding on to more than your expectation, but you have to wrestle with that because you can't spend your whole life disappointed and your partner can't spend their whole life disappointing you, right? That's not going to end well. So I found a blog from Shreya um, Dahlia and she is all about going all in. This totally spoke to me and I wanted to read that to you. From everything that I can recall about my life so far, I can say one thing with absolute certainty. I have been an extremely passionate person, passionate about everything, be it in life, general work, friendships, relationships, bustling with energy. I have always given my heart, my soul, my mind completely into the things that matter to me. I take the leap and I go all in. There is no middle ground. Does that sound familiar to you? Okay. And that always seemed to work for me. I was always on the high wave, getting things done, maintaining the happiest relationships and believing with certainty that I could achieve absolutely anything until I reached a day when the things that really mattered to me were at a point of collapse and I collapsed along with them. 
And my story is not really unique in any sense. Mental fatigue and burnout is almost like an epidemic of the century. Some of the brightest people with immense energy and passion go through this phase of extreme exhaustion, which might last for months, if not years. And that's because there's a bit of downside to being so passionate. To put it simply, when you go about attaching your happiness, your existence, and your life's meaning too deeply into your work, your relationships, or anything else for that matter, you put yourself at risk. And why is that? Because with attachment comes very strong urges to control the circumstances. While you can exercise some amount of control over what happens in your life, that will absolutely never eliminate the possibility of things going haywire or the possibility of your plans and ambitions not quite turning into reality. You put yourself at risk because you put so much of yourself into something unwilling to believe that there is a tiny chance that it might not work out the way you planned. And I don't deny that this kind of confidence is necessary. It is probably the only reason behind strong risk-taking capabilities and subsequent achievements. That's why the problem hasn't entirely got to do with being passionate alone. Passion is everything after all, defined as strong and barely controllable desire. Feeling passionate is what makes you feel alive. The problem turns out to be delusional thinking. Remember how people say love is blind? What they're essentially implying is there is that feeling too much passion attachment towards something can skew your perception of it. It can make us unwilling to accept the possibility of things going wrong. It can make us unwilling to see flaws in our plan. It can make us oblivious to the truth that's right in front of us, be it in our work, in our relationships, or anything else in our life that we feel strongly passionate about. We all have the tendency to look at it with a skewed manner. Does that make sense to you? Boy, if you can apply that love is blind to some of the other things that you're doing, I mean, really look at that from a different lens so that you can see it for what it really is. Detachment with love means caring enough about others to allow them to learn from their own mistakes. It also means being responsible for our own welfare and making decisions without ulterior motives or a desire to control the situation or other people. So we are talking about detaching, detaching from a desire, a goal, a situation, a person, and really bringing it into the present. Start learning about self-control and self-healing, really self-care. So let's talk about it from the point of life lessons for someone else. Think about all the life lessons that you intercepted because you wanted to be there, you wanted to control the circumstance, you wanted to control the outcome. Not being the fixer doesn't mean that you don't love as hard. It just means that you're allowing someone else to live their life the way they're intended to live it. 
Now, I realize with children that's a little bit different, but I would even say it's super important for them to, without getting hurt, obviously, to sort of fall, pick themselves back up, learn what is comfortable for them, what is not comfortable. If we're always saving the day, how will they ever learn that? Plus, when you free yourself up from worrying about everyone else and trying to fix everything else, you can start worrying about your own goals. You've got all of this time, all of this energy, and you can pour it into your own goals. Now, that might sound selfish, but think about what a strong person you would be if you put all of that energy into getting ahead, right? Worrying over lack of control can totally steal your day. You know, when you're unwilling to admit that you can't change the situation, you just keep trying, you keep forcing, that can really steal your entire day. All that time that you could be worrying about your own stuff. I mean, do you feel like you're spinning the plates? I always use spinning plates as a an analogy. I don't know if that's quite accurate, but think about spinning all the plates. But yours are dropping because you're so worried about everyone else's. What happens if you just take a step back and you just let them do it? One of the things I practice with um, some of the women in the group groups that I do is saying no. So for a people pleaser or someone that's always trying to control the situation, they have a hard time saying no. And one of the, the tests from saying no is, can you say no and that's it? Or do you say no and you have to give explanations for no? Okay, so this is all part of stepping back and detaching, right, is the ability to say no. So one of the ways that you can do it, especially if you're tenderhearted and you feel like no is such a negative word and it might hurt someone's feelings, you can start and preempt it with, gee, I'd really like to do that, but I can't. And then you just stop. And when I do this with the ladies they get this panic look on their face. It looks very uncomfortable, but we'll role play again. Gosh, I'd really like to be there for you, but I'm going to be unavailable. Oh, I hope that goes well. I'd sure like to help, but I can't. Practice that and just say no, no explanation, just kind and compassionate. No, this is a great way to detach and build a healthy boundary for you right? Remember all those plates are dropping. You've got to find a way to transfer the spinning plates back to their owners and pick up yours, maybe glue them back together, get them spinning again. You have to lead by example. It doesn't happen just one day you decide, nope, that's it. I'm not going to do it anymore. You have to start maybe conditioning the people in your life that you're going to get back in your hula hoop and worry about that, right? Perhaps the essence of detachment with love is responding with choice rather than reacting with anxiety. The key is to stop being responsible for others and be responsible to them and to ourselves. That's a good one. The key is to stop being responsible for others 
and be responsible to them and ourselves. Pretty cool. You know, the first step of any 12 step is to admit that you are powerless. That's the first step. Why do you think that is such an important first step? Many people resist the term powerlessness because it contradicts much of what we've been taught, believing you can do anything and fix everything. If you just try harder and want it enough, that's instilled in us at an early age. The truth is we can't do or fix everything, regardless of how hard we try or how much we want it. We can't control the weather, war, illness, or other people. We live in a society that tells us we should be able to figure out our problems and overcome our challenges on our own. And that if we can't, we're weak. Be open to trying something new. It requires a great deal of courage because it's an admission that we don't have all the answers. By accepting the things you cannot change and understanding that it's possible to change the things that are within your control, you open yourself up to options that can help you heal. Acknowledging your powerlessness is liberating because it helps you realize that things are, that you're powerless over so you don't have to devote your energy and your actions to trying to control them. If you just admit, I can't control that, what a freeing statement that is. Wouldn't that be awesome? So it, the part of the 12 step is that nobody's going to change if they feel like they have the power to control it. So the first step is, I'm powerless. Now, this is any 12 step, and there's 12 steps for everything. So the first step to changing anything is I'm powerless. I don't have the power to do it myself. I have to figure out a new way. Sometimes we just need to learn to love, listen, and appreciate the things that don't always work out the way we wanted them to in our desired timeline. Walking away with questions unanswered is totally fine. Everyone is on their own journey, and if you just step back to see it, and realize what's happening around you that you don't have to have your hands in. You can just enjoy the beauty of it. There's that prayer, God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and wisdom to know the difference. That's a wonderful one because it really reminds you that you aren't in control of everything. You have to learn to detach and detach with love. Let go and start getting back in your hula hoop, in your space. Appreciate the people around you for who they are and what they bring to your life just as they are. Nothing more. Evaluate your moral compass. Find out what's important to you. Now, this is the time of the show I like to do a little recap definitely don't turn your volume down or change your station um, because you think, boy, I've, I've listened to the whole thing. What else could I possibly pick up? But this is where we find the golden nuggets of the show. So we recap it and we kind of get back into the good juicy stuff that we need to try to remember and adopt for tomorrow and obviously the rest of the week. So we talked about knowing 
when to let go. You know, when is enough is enough. How many chances do you give? When do you finally admit that people are not going to change? Or are you not there yet? Have you not admitted that to yourself? Do you say, oh, with just a little bit of training, this person could be this or that? Are you still waiting for that? How many more chances are you going to give? And what kind of expectations do you have? Are they unrealistic? You really, really need to spend some time evaluating that because we all feel like we know the best way. We know what's right. You know, I would say every one of us feel that to a certain degree, but we need to challenge that. Is that just something that we've adopted and picked up along the way? Is that real? And is that fair? Is that fair to have that kind of expectation on another person? You know, when you partner with someone, when you bring somebody into your life, it's a it really should be a 50-50. We shouldn't be bringing them on board to take care of them or uh, have them take care of us. We really need to look at that. And I loved talking about agreements versus expectations. You have to say what you need. I've heard it before from people. Well, they didn't even know that was going on with me. And I would say, did you tell them? Well, no, but they should have known. No, they won't know. If you need something, you have to be very clear about your needs. Speak it for what it is. Make that agreement with them. I think that's two different things. One, if you have some needs that are not being met, you need to speak that. Don't assume that the other person is going to understand that. And then two, if you have some parts that are of your expectations that are morally based or something of values that are very, very important to you, spell those out. Be clear about your expectations and create an agreement. If the other person doesn't agree to that, then why do you have an expectation that it's going to happen? We have been revisiting letting go, detaching with love. Lots of good stuff. You know, I've been doing encouragementology for three years now, 200 episodes. We just celebrated 200 episodes, and it has been such a therapeutic journey researching topics, digging into experts, reading blogs, and just learning. That's what it's really all about, this journey of self-discovery, understanding how you feel about things, how you're evolving, how new things impact you in different ways. I hope you've had as much fun as I have. Let's jump back in with a little more on boundaries. This is all about healthy boundaries. Healthy boundaries are to protect yourself. And we can create our healthy boundaries for anyone in our life, for anything in our life. First, you have to get inside your hula hoop, not try to control the whole world. And then you start developing those boundaries, knowing how to communicate, speaking the same language with another person is so important. You may be saying one thing and they're hearing something totally different. You're not going to get anywhere doing that. We also talked about setting ourselves up, you know, being so passionate about something and so driven that we're not really, we're, we're sort of delusional, right? We're not really thinking clearly about the end goal and about the stumbling blocks that could happen along the way. If we don't prepare for those, now I'm not saying, you know, be the Debbie Downer of your own life, but if we don't prepare for that 
it could be devastating. That type of loss and burnout could be devastating. You know, detaching from those types of situations, detaching from what you can't control is all about self-care, all about taking care of yourself. Letting people learn life lessons on their own is so important. So, so important. Even think about that with your own children, um, not just personal relationships, but your own children too, because it is important. We are all supposed to be independently successful in life and contributing, and we all have to have room to be able to do that, right? Free yourself up to start focusing on yourself. Boy, the energy that you can put into your own life and your own goals is amazing. So I challenge you, be aware of the power struggle in your own life and who's pulling harder. Question your resistance and remember, you're worth more. Your time, your attention, your patience, and your love are worth more. Split the difference with yourself. I know you can do it. Thank you for listening to Encouragementology with Kendall Boyson, where we find positive ways to handle some of life's challenges. Someone threw until the path was clear. That's when I found you, how I wound up here.